If you've been cheated on the last three times, I'm curious how much you're sharing that with your loved ones and how that makes you feel and how your worldview is that all men are cheaters. Because if you don't share that, which I'm kind of guessing that there's a lot of shame attached to the fact that the last three people you've been with have cheated on you, which makes it hard to share with people. And by the way, shame is incredibly destructive and is will really prevent healing because then you start thinking that what you've, what you're going through is your fault. Hi everyone. And welcome to the deeper podcast, a podcast for all of you who want more, more out of yourself, your relationships, your intimacy and life. My name is Sofia Zafina and I'm here to bring you deeper. I'm a sex, life, and relating coach, and I'm fascinated by all things masculine and feminine and bringing the two back together, helping people connect on a deep and real level so we can show up for each other, partner with each other in our healing, and call each other back into our power. A very important part of that for me is honoring both sides, the masculine and the feminine, creating more understanding, more compassion and respect for each unique experience. And so in this series, I'm speaking specifically to men to honor them, to hear their perspective and how they go through relating the feminine life. Because so often we have demonized and devalued men in their experiences, needs and struggles. And I want to change that. So I hereby welcome you to my Deeper Into Him podcast series. And before we get started for all these conversations, I want to give a bit of a disclaimer because I realize that this conversation about men and women, masculine and feminine, can sound both heteronormative and gendered. Bear with me. Masculine feminine dynamics play it out in every relationship. So when we speak about men towards women, I hope you can hear it as being the partner who's more in their masculine and the partner who's more in their feminine. And this very often has little to do with gender. In addition to that, I do want to acknowledge that men and women have completely different societal expectations in the world. And because of that, different lenses. For instance, we tell men they should man up and women they should smile more. In that sense, some of this might be gendered, but I hope for people outside of that binary perspective that they might still feel some truth in any of these stories. Hi everyone, and welcome to this episode of Deeper Into Him. And today I'm joined by Sean Galanos. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. You nailed it. Yay! And he's the founder of The Love Drive and a certified love coach. And in his own words, he helps people develop the emotional intimacy so that they can have a loving and connected relationship with themselves and others. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just love that because my mission statement changes almost weekly or monthly. So that's <laughs> this is one, what it of is many, now. one of many <laughs> mission statements. So I've been working with Sean for a bit and I respect him so much. I don't know anybody who can speak about relating, about intimacy, about emotions in such a simple, no BS, grounded and kind way. Everybody needs an inner Sean. (laughs) Really, I have an inner Sean voice now. (laughs) What does it say? What's its its main message? Uh, It's just like you deserve better, like get out or just like go into therapy. I think those are your three main sentences. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. My inner Sean. 
So Sean has spoken to many, many people on their relating and intimacy struggles through his free love advice on Instagram, where anybody can ask him for advice and he will get to the core of it in 15 seconds. Yeah. Sometimes. Or two sentences. (laughs) (laughs) You're really building me up here. I know. (laughs) Higher expectations. And so really, Sean has heard it all. So who better to speak about all of this than this man? So welcome, Sean. I'm so excited to get to speak with you today and to hear your perspective, thoughts, and ideas on the whole adventure of masculine feminine relating and particularly the journey of men. Hmm. So before we dive into all of this, um, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with you, but I'd love for you to have maybe a short introduction about yourself and a bit on how you got here, where you are today. Yeah. Thank you so much for <laughs> having me. I'm honored to be here and it's yeah. always great connecting with you. Uh, yeah, my name's Sean Galanos. You nailed nailed the pronunciation. I'm a love coach uh, and I'm the host of a podcast called Love Drive. And yeah, I help people. You know, I teach people communication and intimacy tools to help them have better relationships and more love. That's basically what it comes down to. That's this mm-hmm. month's mission statement. <laughs> and, uh, and I got here in a very circuitous way that started, this whole path sort of started in a taxi cab in San Francisco and I drove, I drove as a taxi driver and I would have conversations with my passengers about sex, love, and dating. I'd always had this passion for the subject. And I recorded those conversations and I put them on the internet. I put them on YouTube as videos. And that is where the love drive began. That is the, the origin story of the love drive. And then I took, you know, a wandery path to get to where I am today, which is uh, coaching people one-on-one and hosting workshops on intimacy, communication, and love. And through that whole journey, you know, I've written a lot of blogs, I've interviewed a lot of people and I've given a lot of free love advice. And uh, the one thing that keeps coming back is that none of this is easy. Yeah. Yeah. None of this is easy. Uh, love is, is complex. It's, it's uh, nuanced. Uh, and it's also very dynamic. You know, when you talk about relating, I think about me in relation to another and how I relate to one person is different than how I relate to other people. And that's why it's, it's a complex subject. And that's why I think I'll probably be doing this work for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. We're never finished. We never graduate from relating school. (laughs) No, I wish, I wish there was relating school. I wish there was relationship education and communication education. Yeah. And I think it would be a little bit, we'd have an easier time with it. Yeah. What is you, what do you hear is the main issue that most people have? What's the main question you get asked? I think a lot lately, it's less about the the question that gets asked often, but underlying, I think it's this fear of inadequacy. That is what keeps coming up over and over and over and over again for me in my work is that I am not enough. Right. And a lot of my clients are women. So Mm -hmm. I am not enough or I am too much, which paradoxically being too much is a form of being not enough. Yeah. Right. If, if you are too intense, then you are not chill enough. 
if you are too emotional, then you are not uh, rational enough, right? So underneath it all, really, I think it comes down to this fear of uh, inadequacy. And even the fear of rejection comes up a lot in my work, right? I don't yeah. want to do this. I don't want to ask this person out. I don't want to tell my partner that uh, I wish we would have more sex. I uh, don't want to ask someone to marry me. I don't want to set a boundary because I don't want the other person to leave me. Don't want to be rejected, which that even boils down to the fear of not being enough. Because if you were enough, then you wouldn't fear being rejected. So that's what's been coming up a lot for me lately in my work and also in my personal life. Yeah, I recognize it as well. It's the, um, the fear of rejection, especially like the, the examples you gave is, it's really like that, I, that a relationship could end because of something that I did, right? Because because I sent that text or because I asked something, things are going to change and I'm going to screw it up. And that feels like I'm then responsible for that. You actually really made a very big impact on me because of your story of the pineapple pizza. The pineapple pizza. <laughs> That's what my inner Sean tells me about a lot as well. <laughs> you mean the triple P, the pineapple pizza pro protocol? <laughs> that not everybody likes pineapple pizza. Yeah, Hawaiian pizza, for those who don't know, is, uh, is pizza with, you know, tomato sauce, cheese, pineapple, and Canadian bacon, which is actually just another form of ham. So ham, pineapple, cheese, tomato. It's a very strange combo. And some people love the shit out of it. Some yeah. people just love pineapple. They love Hawaiian pizza <laughs> or what we will call pineapple pizza. <laughs> uh, and sometimes you could dip it in ranch dressing, which that's just the next level. And, you know, some people just really don't like Hawaiian pizza. Yeah. They just don't like it. And if you are Hawaiian pizza, that means that you are for some people and that you are not for other people. And the idea isn't to change <laughs> dramatically what kind of pizza you are to fit a water palette, but it's just to accept the fact that you're a little funky. You're a little funky, salty, sweet kind of pizza and that you are for some people, but not all people, which, you know, this sounds kind of a basic concept right? That we are not for everyone. But again, it boils down to this, that you could have maybe avoided being rejected if you had been more palatable. And so what happens, I think, is that people try to adjust themselves yeah. to be more palatable. Okay, so how do I do that in the context of a pizza? How do I make myself more appealing? Well, I just add everything that people like. And so the, the thing that I keep coming back to is if, you know, if you make a pizza for everyone, you make a pizza for no one. Yeah. Because no one wants a Hawaiian pizza with olives, with sausage. Uh, there's also dessert pizzas. So with, you know, cinnamon and sugar with, then it's just like, no one wants it. Yeah. And, and then at the end of, at the end of the day, you, who the fuck are you anymore? You're not, you're not you you're not authentically you yeah. you're not the quirky thing that is just for some people and that's hard it's hard to just sit in in this idea that like you are unique and that you are not for 
for some people. And I would even venture as far as saying that you are not for a lot of people. You're for a very small percentage of the population. I find that liberating, actually. But some people find that just terrifying. Yeah, because they're probably afraid that they're never going to find that person then. Yeah, and then now there's even less. <laughs> yeah, less there's even them. less of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I know you speak to a lot of women, but I'm kind of curious on what's the main story that you hear from men? What's their Gosh. main complaint or what's their main pain? I'm really out of touch yeah. with what men are struggling with. Yeah. I'm really out of touch. <laughs> All these women on Instagram. <laughs> just the way you said, yeah, there's like, anyways, <laughs> there's a, there's a video of a, it's like a video of a, a dog or his, this guy is talking to his dog about all the great things he has in his fridge and the dog is a German shepherd and the dog goes, yeah. And so every time I hear, especially my girlfriend, but you just said it just like the dog did. And I just can't, uh, I just can't move past it. Uh, I'll send, I'll send you the video later. We can link to it in the show notes. Thank you. This is the kind of work that you and I are doing. Yeah, Deep work. You know, I want to work with guys and yeah. I just, I'm not really sure that I know how. Uh, I also, this isn't going to answer your question at all, but it'll, it'll clue you in a little bit on my process of why I speak to mm -hmm. women. Uh, I speak about what is authentic for me and I see what audience connects to it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, relationships, love and intimacy isn't really something that most men are going to be drawn to learn about or to talk about. And I think it's unfortunate. I think it's really sad. I think that uh, we don't have models, right? We weren't modeled how to talk about this stuff. We don't have any relating communication, intimacy, relationship, education. We don't, we have very basic sex, sex ed, especially in the United States. I know it's different in the Netherlands. So, so how come you found that path? I was just a really sensitive boy, really, really sensitive boy. And also not shown how to deal with those emotions. So a lot of emotions, no tools on how to use them. And uh, yeah, I, I don't think that we all connect to our emotions in the same way also seems like a very basic statement. <laughs> a lot of the work that I do, just very basic stuff, you know, like very basic, like Captain Obvious kind of stuff, but... Inner, inner Sean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, it just, I couldn't not look at it. It was so overwhelming, right? My emotions were so overwhelming. And um, I'm also just like uh, a complete communicator, right? I don't want to call myself an exquisite as a communicator, but I, com I, I communicate completely and sometimes overwhelmingly. Uh, I like to talk and I like to talk to people. Were you like that your whole life or, or did yeah, that come been from? Pretty... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, pretty gregarious and, and outgoing and, and extroverted. And I also really value taking care of self and, and introspection and reflection and also spending a ton of time on my own, like a lot of time on my own, especially for, you know, being a self-identified extrovert. But I think the combination of being really sensitive and also uh, 
being sort of an innate natural communicator, both those together made it so that I would talk about emotions often. Yeah, because I think there's a lot of men out there that are actually very, very sensitive. Absolutely. And that are feeling lots of stuff and that are easily affected by a lot of stuff. Absolutely. Most of them don't turn out like you are. Yeah, I, I don't know where they can get support. Yeah. And, you know, I'm doing a workshop right now on emotional availability. And what I realized <laughs> is that for you to sign up for that workshop is for you to admit that you are not as emotionally available as you would like to be, which is probably why it didn't sell as well as my healthy communication workshop, because it's, it's very confronting to say to yourself, I'm not really as open as I could be, or as I would like to be. turns out I'm actually kind of closed off sometimes. And that's, you know, hard to admit for some people, for me, I kind of like seeing my shortcomings because it gives me an opportunity to work on them there and also go. to connect, to connect with other people on that level. I wish I could, I wish I could answer your question in a more succinct way of, you know, what beautiful. are men, what are men struggling with these days? I have a hard time, a hard time really pinpointing that. I think you're actually a beautiful example of it, of how mostly women find your work. Right. And then a lot of men are actually not finding this kind of this kind of information or not looking for it. And, and so maybe that is. Maybe we can't answer what's the what's the main pain point for men, because, you know, men are not joining that conversation as much. Well, what does John Wineland say about it? Oh, what does John Wineland say about it? That they're burdened. <laughs> yeah. That they're burdened, that they feel like it's all a lot and that they want their freedom. And that that just feels like they have to move away from their connection when actually they want to be in it. Mm. Um, and that the modern man just feels really, there's a lot on his shoulders. There's a lot that he needs to be and a lot that he needs to do. Yeah. yeah. Do you recognize that? We should come up with an acronym. What would John Wyland <laughs> say about that? <laughs> so yeah. uh, what I recognize in that is that, um, yeah, I don't think men speak up about what they want, what they need. Uh, I think they probably struggle with setting boundaries. And that means that they end up being burdened. Yeah. Because they haven't spoken up. I like to call this the resentful white knight. Mm. Right, the white knight comes in to save the day, to save the damsel in distress, to provide for the family, to uh, hold all of her f emotions and fire and flow, and and also to have a good body, right? To be attractive, to make money, to be a good dad. Uh, mm. Gosh, that sounds like a lot. That sounds like a lot of work. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of work. And, you know, I don't think self-care is something that I was ever taught as a, as a young man, you know, take, take time to rest, mm -hmm. make sure you connect in, in spaces with people that don't ask anything of you or you're just kind of being right. Um, 
Mm. Say no to stuff. Say say no. So I this is kind of a paradox because I think that men are can be pretty good at saying no. Uh maybe in a bit of a rough way. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is actually something that <laughs> is that your phone or my phone? Did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. So I'm going airplane mode. Me too. <laughs> I'm working on this uh blog post on how to say no with love. Yeah. And uh, I remember I had a birthday dinner with a friend uh, by the name of Rafi. And I invited Rafi and Josie to my birthday dinner to have pizza. This was about eight or nine years ago. So just us three, us three men having pizza. That's all I wanted on my birthday. Nothing. I I don't usually celebrate my birthday um, in like an, extravagant way. I just wanted to connect with my, with my men, my men friends, my man friends. And on the day of a few hours before I called Rafi to check in and he said, Oh yeah, I'm not going. And I was like, what the fuck? And he goes, dude, don't try to like make me feel guilty about this. I don't want to go. And I go, dude, it's just us three, you know, like then it'll just be us two. And he goes, listen, I don't do anything I don't want to do. And I was like, you know, that hurts. And I was both simultaneously pissed off and really fucking impressed. Really, really (laughs) impressed. Which, by the way, having multiple competing emotions about any one thing at any one time is a sign of emotional maturity. Ooh, I love that. That's so powerful. Yeah, so that's a you know, $10,000 piece of advice yeah. that I got from my therapist Yeah. after having spent $10,000 with them. That's my one big takeaway. So you can have that. Yeah. Um, Thank you. <laughs> having multiple competing emotions about any one thing is a sign of emotional maturity. So when he, when he said that, I, I was both angry and very impressed. Yeah. Very impressed that you can have such clear boundaries. Now, of course, he lacked tact and care and love and respect. But the message was, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to. And it's inauthentic for me to show up when I don't want to. And I think it's really important to cultivate that, to not feel burdened. Yeah. Right? When you feel burdened, it's because you've taken on more than you can handle, which to me means you haven't set healthy boundaries on saying, hey, babe, I can't really do that right now. I really need some time to rest and I would love to be there for you for whatever it is that you're asking me to do. And I just can't commit to that because what I need to do is recharge so that I can show up better and present for you. This is a really powerful example, I think, because a lot of men close off and it's hard for their women to, to experience that, but we don't actually realize why they are closing off and they're closing off because there's too much going on. Right. And they have to close off. And so for a man to actually be able to say, I need some time alone right now. I'm going to come back in a few hours and then I'm going to be fully present with you. And a lot of men don't give themselves even that permission because they're so trying to do the right thing that they exhaust themselves until there's no point of return and you have to close down. Yeah. And the intention behind it is actually something beautiful. Like that's often when we forget they're so trying to be there for everybody and everything that they lose touch with themselves. And at a certain point that implodes. Mm. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, 
men, and I, I also want to recognize, and I think you were going to do this anyways, that this mm. is a very gendered yes. conversation. This concept is very gendered. I understand that there's masculine and feminine energy in everybody, which is also why what I want to say next is connected to all of this. We tend to all struggle with the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So if I were thinking of some of this, you know, the clients that I have in my workshop that are predominantly women, they also struggle with feeling burdened and with wanting to provide for their family, their kids for, you know, uh, also doing volunteer work and working and this and that and maintaining a good body and eating well and, and not saying no, not saying no and feeling burdened. So it seems to me like we're all kind of feeling pretty burdened and maybe that's the masculine side right? The masculine side of wanting to provide and to wanting to do. And this idea that your worth is connected to your productivity, mm-hmm. how much you do, how you show up for others is connected to how valuable you are as a person, which is connected to your self-esteem. That to me feels very masculine, right? And the feminine side of that would be sort of like, I am enough. I am worthy just by waking up like you know this concept of you wake up in the morning you don't do a goddamn thing all day you're you're worthy worthy of love (laughs) who is that delivery man what are you getting delivered i don't know packages (laughs) you don't even know okay i'll I'll entertain your your thank you (laughs) okay so Sophie lives in the, that Um, lives in the Netherlands. That is a very European sounding doorbell, right? And if I were to guess, Sophie also has uh, this door locking mechanism in which the, you can, you have a key on the inside of the house. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very European. Yeah. (laughs) I was just talking about your doorbell. <laughs> and then I went to the door. See, I could just talk. I don't even need a, a captive audience. No, you could just keep talking. <laughs> I could just see you in your introverted zone, just speaking to nobody. <laughs> I know. This, this is how you get to your emotional intelligence. This is it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I'm curious about the fact that you are so good at, speak, at communicating and speaking about your emotions. I know in my personal experience, the moment I dated a man that had that, it was actually really hard on me. Oh, yeah. Because I couldn't get away with a lot of things, I think. And I think I've always been so used to the distractions of just being in front of somebody that doesn't com- really, isn't completely communicating what's going on. Mm-hmm. Sounds very common. Yes. So did you have that in your own personal life as well, that maybe it was hard for people to receive somebody who's such a healthy, strong communicator? Well, maybe I can just talk about my current relationship Yeah. where uh, (laughs) my girlfriend and I, so she's a great communicator. She's, she's a fantastic communicator. She's a great listener. She is, uh, she's really good at, she does things like after I'm done speaking, she'll say, uh, let me reflect back what I heard just to make sure that you know, you're, I'm hearing you the way you're intending to be heard, which is like, I don't even do that. You know, like 
I don't, I do not do that. And, and it's really beautiful to be on the receiving end of, of active listening. Here's what's really interesting. She's an incredibly slow processor. So while I will share what's going on for me in the moment, I oftentimes am processing emotions real time as I'm talking about it. So I'm one of those like stream of thought kind of people with my therapist. I do a lot of the talking and then at, at the end I'll be like, you know, I'll have my moment of clarity and she'll validate it. And that's pretty much what it looks like. Uh, my lady, Erica is a slow processor. It, it will take her sometimes days, weeks, even to come back to a thing that happened. And, and we're okay in that space. I don't need to know exactly how she feels about anything at any one time, like right away. Mm. Right. And like, it's okay for me to share how it makes me feel. And then she'll say like, yeah, thank you for sharing. I'm not quite ready to share what's mm. coming up. Cause I'm, I'm not exactly sure. And she wants to be more sure. Whereas I'm, I don't mind getting it wrong. Like, Oh, I think this is what I'm feeling. It's connected. Actually. No, that's not it. That's not, it doesn't, doesn't feel right. It must be connected to this thing. And then I'll talk my way there. And oftentimes I do that with somebody else on the phone. So when I'm feeling really blue, I'll call somebody and I'll just like process with them. Like, Hey, do you have, you know, do you have 10 or 15 minutes to walk me through something or to be a sounding board or to hear out a thing? So I, I think it's possible that you can be a complete communicator and be with someone who's a slow processor, right? That there is a way for that to happen. And that's kind of the beauty in having people that relate and connect and process in different ways. Because she's showing me that there's also value and wisdom in sitting with without having to externally process everything in real time right? Sit with and be quiet and sort of like reflect on, marinate. And I'm showing her that there's also another way, which is to, all right, let's like, tr let's see, let's be active and see what comes up. So that's the beauty of relating to people that are different is that hopefully like, you know, you come together and you sort of build each other up in the, in the places in which they might be uh, I don't want to say lacking, but there might be an area of um, development. Uh, and also mm. being with someone who processes emotions real time, who's communicative about that can be extremely threatening to another yes. person. Yes. Extremely threatening. Yes. Because how could you possibly meet them in that place if you yourself are uncomfortable with your emotional landscape? What is going on inside? Which can sometimes be very turbulent and super muddy, really muddy. Is it this? Is it that? No, is it the way they looked at me? Or is it the, did they get, was that gaslighting? Is it, oh, is this attached to an old story that my mom used to tell me? Or, you know, is it ancestral? My God. So it can be really, really confusing. But I just want to say that like emotional landscapes are often can be muddy and can be turbulent and it can be hard to make sense of it all. And so, yeah, if you're somebody who's not used to doing that work, then being with someone who is, is going to, is going to be challenging. It's going to be confronting. Yeah. It's also a beautiful opportunity to say something like, Hey, I see you, you know, dealing with your emotions in a way that is just really new to me and it's scary. 
it's mm-hmm. scary for me to be in the presence of that because I don't have those tools. And unfortunately, even saying that requires some awareness that you don't have those tools. And oftentimes what happens is that people get flooded and they run. They get flooded and they close off and they come up with the one excuse for why they might've shut down. It's hard. So I'm now in a relationship where I'm a bit more on the avoidance side. So if you know a bit about anxious and avoidant, I'm a bit more on the avoidance side and um, it means that I have a tendency to close off a lot. And for me, a practice actually to come out of that has been to share each moment what I'm actually feeling even if it's painful, even if it might hurt him to actually share it because, and I noticed that the moment I started doing that, I wasn't shutting off anymore. I wasn't closing off because the reason I was closing off was because there was something that was real for me that was in my experience, but I wasn't sharing it because I thought it would be painful, awkward, uncomfortable, whatever. And so I I would pretend I was fine and at a cost of being in connection. And for me, that was a big lesson. Yeah. Were you fine? No, I wasn't fine. I wasn't fine. Like the pretending you're fine is really, it's, you lose the connection with the, with the person in front of you. Uh, Sorry. What I meant to say was like, after you shared the thing, were you eventually fine? Here's the weird thing. Like all the things I was afraid of in him that I thought I would really hurt him or really ruin our relationship. Actually, they weren't so bad. Yeah. It was painful. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend it wasn't painful. It was painful, but it was not as bad as I thought it would be. And he was relieved because he could feel that something was up. And now I finally mentioned it. And he was like, oh, yes. oh yeah, now I get it. I love that so much. Yeah. I yeah. crave clarity. Yeah, we all do, I think. Even if it's awkward. I don't know. I don't think my girlfriend craves clarity. No? She's happy to be in the like, entre milieu. The middle zone. <laughs> what does that mean? Entre yeah, it's like entre is like in, it's it's like actually that kind of means middle, like between middle, mm. uh, between the middle zones, mm. <laughs> which is and she also lives in that in that space a lot. Um, it's like you know where there's a lot of mystery and magic oh, yeah. and mm. flow, and it's hard to describe, and it's you know it's nuanced, and so she likes to live there. I like to live in the like. The clarity, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? You just yes or no to the thing that we said we were going to do. And if it's what are you feeling? (laughs) Yeah, the feelings I don't really, I don't mind. But it's for me, it's more about the concrete projects. But what I, what I thought, what's really interesting about what you just said and beautiful is that, oftentimes, the fear of disclosing a potentially sensitive intimacy right? Mm-hmm. Uh, some piece of information that opens you up or that makes you more vulnerable. Oftentimes the fear of doing it is worse than actually doing it. And for me, I've always like uh, quitting smoking, the fear of quitting smoking of how much I think it's going to hurt and be uncomfortable is way worse than the actual symptoms of, you know, nicotine withdrawal. And in relationships, often the fear that we think, you know, how painful we think it's going to be or how much we think we're going to hurt them mm-hmm. is often disproportionate to the way they actually, the way it actually plays out. Fear really blocks us from going for it, like doing the hard thing, saying the thing, saying the, 
the fact that, you know, you don't want to have, you're not as attracted to your partner as you, you once were, right? That's like super, super hard to say. Yeah. And yeah. when you say that, then you open the door to connection, to conversation, yeah. to, to an, an, an opening perhaps in the relationship. Perhaps the thing that you both need to experience so that you can move on from the relationship. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out until I do it. Yeah, I recognize that. For me, it really meant that things started flowing again when actually they felt before they felt very like stuck. And the yeah. moment I actually expressed what I was truly feeling, it, could, it felt like things were flowing, even though what I was saying wasn't positive. Mm. Yeah. I want to just shift gears because we can, and we can talk for hours. <laughs> kind of a really long gear shift, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. It's, it's a, a truck. It's a big truck. <laughs> Um, just before we hopped on the call, I, 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 we were talking about that uh, a reason why I'm doing these interviews is because I notice in a lot of the conversation around relating, we really demonize men. We mm. say they all suck or they're all cheaters or they're all emotionally unavailable. And this is what I hear from the women, right? They're like, I'm always too much for men or they can't handle me. And I'm very curious on your thoughts on that. What's your, what's your perspective on, on these kind of things? Like no man can handle me or. Well, first of all, let's stop speaking in absolutes. Right. Right. I mean, I get so many questions and now that I'm on TikTok, by the way, follow me on TikTok. Uh, it's even worse. This like this absolute uh, speech when it comes to anything really, but why do men uh, why do all, how come all men over 40 can't commit? Okay. Got, guys, <laughs> people, people. It's impossible that all men over 40 can't commit, right? Because there's a lot of men that are over 40 that are in committed relationships. So already, like, we just, I, I really just want to say, like, let's stop speaking in absolutes because it's really dangerous to apply a label to a whole subset of the population as all men can't handle me, all men cheat. I've never cheated in my life. Okay, that's not true. Well, it depends what your definition of cheating is, but there was some overlap at, in one of my first relationships. Um, like one was coming to an end and then I started dating somebody else. But I think it's really dangerous to do that. So we really need to stop saying that all men can't. Do and so what if that's been the only experience you had? So what if you've had three relationships and all three of them cheated on you? Oh, that's so tough. Yeah. That's really sad. Yeah. I just want people to, to believe that there's, that there's like, that there's better for you out there that you deserve more than people that cheat on you and that it's totally possible for you to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't. And that they exist. They absolutely exist. Yeah. And men that can handle female fire, mm -hmm. feminine fire, also absolutely exist. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's more nuanced than that. Uh, I think we demonize men, but just as much as we demonize women. How do you think we demonize women? Oh, being too emotional or that's the first one that comes to mind, you know, like crazy, uh, needy, crazy, needy. Oh, mm. 
all your needs are valid. Everybody, whoever you're listening, if, whether you identify as, as whatever gender you identify as, all your needs are valid. Every single one of them are valid. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, how can I be helpful in this conversation around demonizing men? By the way, that's how I ask people like how I can help when I don't know how to help. <laughs> which I want people to learn is like a phenomenal strategy. Like how, how can I most be helpful in this moment? In, instead of fixing things, guys, people with masculine energy, instead of jumping to the rescue and then feeling overburdened because uh, that's your go-to is to fix things, say, how can I help? How I just I want to quickly say something about the fixing thing I was having. Um, this week, it was a very dominant topic for me that actually when you go ahead and fix, try to fix it for somebody, for the receiver, it feels like you make it about yourself then. Hmm. So if I share my problem, and I'm just saying like, hypothetically, there's a man in front of me that's right away. Okay, so I'm gonna fix it for you. Yeah. Actually, to me, it feels like it's now about him. It's about whether or not he's gonna be good at fixing it. And it's not about me anymore. And although the intention, and this is, this is maybe also, this links to the demonizing one. I can see that his intention is beautiful. Hmm. He wants to help. But the actual experience of it is that it's now about him. Mm. And I think that's often what happens in the, in the, in, in how we see men and there, yes, there's absolutely one on the, on, for the women too. But I think we often see the, we, we forget to give them the benefit of the doubt. We forget to see the intention behind it. And so when a man closes off, we just think he doesn't care instead of seeing like maybe he closed off because he's super overwhelmed and he's doing too much. Right. And there's a very valid reason why he's closing off. Mm. And, also, and I, yeah, go on. No, no, no. Mm -mm. Um, I don't hear women give men that very often, the benefit of the doubt. I think there's kind of this mentality of like, they're going to screw me over. So I'm going to have my guard up from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, I hear that. I hear that fairly often is that mm -hmm. like people, you know, some women think that they've been screwed over so many times that that's just what they expect. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense, right? If, if mm -hmm. the evidence that you have is that when you open up to a man, you're going to get screwed over, then it's really hard to see that maybe next time it's going to be different. And, and also, you know, gosh, if this is you, if this is you, uh, I really can't recommend therapy enough. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I really don't think, that podcasts or Instagram or workshops or books, they can only get you so far, right? So I don't think that's enough. I think that a lot of the work happens in relationship with a therapist and I'm pro therapy. And I also want to recognize that therapy for a lot of people is not accessible and it's not, it's, it's not affordable. And there's a lot of scary things about going to a therapist and divulging a lot of these intimacies. And so I, I recognize the barriers, socioeconomic barriers to getting therapy. I also recognize the racial barriers mm -hmm. that, uh, especially in the United States, I think it's like only one or 2% of uh, therapists are people of color and the population is much higher than that. So like, it's harder to find someone that shares your worldview and that has had similar experiences, even though that's not completely necessary for you to do the work, it does help a lot. Right. Uh, so I just want to recognize that as well, that it's, it's hard to find and it's hard to access. And it's also can really help 
heal some of these like big, big, big wounds. Um, and yeah, I don't think reading a blog post on the father wound, you know, or, or probably an Instagram caption on the father wound is really going to get you anywhere. I almost want to say anywhere. Um, it might give you a little bit of awareness. So yeah, I didn't speak about the the burden, the <laughs> or sorry, the the demonizing of <laughs> of of men. But it, see, that seems to be a constant in this episode. You ask me a question, I answer completely different. different I love questions. that. <laughs> no, that's perfect. I just want to call it out. <laughs> I know what's happening. I just want to uh, mention a little bit about what you just said that, you know, I think the reason therapy is so powerful is because we have to, we have to put something of ourselves outside of us, mm-hmm. right? And it helps speaking to this impartial listener. Like what you just said, you could spend an entire hour talking to them and then in the end you have an insight. There's something so powerful, I think, about kind of placing it outside of you and just creating a bit of distance between your experience and, and, and you. And yeah. honestly, what helps me when I don't have access to therapy is just audio messaging myself. So I will, like hearing my own voice speak about what's going on already helps me to kind of place it outside of me. I'm not saying this is therapy, but I'm just saying there is it creates a bit of distance to, to have at least a bit more perspective. So that came up in yesterday's workshop as a strategy for really? how, to, how to open up. Yeah. is to leave yourself messages. Yeah. The audio part is super powerful for me. It's more powerful than writing. Vocalizing it. I yeah. think that's why I talk to people. And so I, I do want to recognize that, uh, it is powerful to share with people what's going on for you. And if you don't have access to therapy, talk about what's going on for you with your loved ones and people that you feel safe talking to, right? Like if you've been cheated on the last three times, I'm curious how much you're sharing that with your loved ones and how that makes you feel and how your worldview is that all men are cheaters because if you don't share that, which I'm kind of guessing that there's a lot of shame attached to the fact that the last three people you've been with have cheated on you, which makes it hard to share with people. And by the way, shame is incredibly destructive and is, will really prevent healing because then you start thinking that what, you've, what you're going through is your fault right? I have a bad picker. I, I, I must be broken in some way that I only attract men who cheat on me. And I, wow, have a lot of thoughts. Don't think that uh, we can really affect who we attract, but we can absolutely, uh, our, we can absolutely control who we choose to be in relationship with. That's so powerful. We can't completely affect who we attract, but we can choose. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. now like I, the healthier I get, the less attractive unhealthy behaviors are to me, mm-hmm. right? Unavailability is for the most part, I think no longer an aphrodisiac to me. Yeah. Uh, it, it was in the past, you know, that was exciting. You're not available. I want this. Um, I just want to go back to this, this idea that like, talk about what's going on for you. Talk about the shame that you feel. Talk about the fact that you don't think that you'll ever find a good man that you'll ever find someone who can hold your fire, who can hold your, uh, big, big, big emotions. 
you know, your turbulence. Uh, I want you to question those big beliefs that you have with people that are close to you. Because mm -hmm. I'm guessing that if you talk about this enough, you will hear other people's perspectives. Someone will say, oh, actually, you know, I've, uh, none of my boyfriends have ever cheated on me that I know of. And, oh, actually, most of my relationships have ended well in an amicable way. Or, yeah, you know, for the most part, the men have been able to hold me in ways that make, make me feel safe. Yeah. And when you do that, then you start getting other perspectives like, wait a second, this is happening to other people? How come it's not happening to me? Does that mean it could happen to me? I, now you have evidence. Okay, it's third-party evidence. It's not something that you've felt. It's not a felt experience. But you know that there's a possibility. Whereas if you just stay in your little bubble and you think that all men are fucking cheaters and that they, what are other things? Listen. All men are unavailable. Oh, right. They, 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 they have no access to their emotions. Yeah. What else? Is there another one? Um, they all just want sex. That's, thank you. Those are the three. I love putting you on the spot, by the way. <laughs> uh, they're all cheaters. They just want sex. And they are all unavailable, which I know for a fact, that is not true. I know done. for a fact, I've, I've talked. Yeah, done. We're done here. Our work here done. is done. Guaranteed. Yeah, de de <laughs> Bye, <Sean>. Debunked. <laughs> because I've talked to enough of my female clients to know that that's not true. Yeah. That they have boyfriends that uh, want less sex than they do. Mm -hmm. that, they are, that they are the ones who have done most of the cheating. And that they are the ones, ladies, who are unavailable. Although that's just because they're unavailable doesn't mean that all men aren't available. But um, some of my clients, their male partner is the more available one, is yeah. more in tune with their emotions. So our work here is done. You can trust <laughs> me. This is, and this is, I am a figure of authority in this department. Okay. So what about the one, uh, I hear this a lot. I wear all the good men. I can't find them. You know, <laughs> That's a great question. I get that question all the time also. I can imagine. <laughs> uh, you know, I think, they're, ever, I think they're, they're kind of sprinkled everywhere. Uh, just like, you know, where are all the good men? Like, you, like they're just all hanging out at one particular place. <laughs> one water hole. <laughs> one, yeah, one park, like one corner of the park or like, oh, this restaurant, all good men go to this restaurant. This is, it's called all good men. <laughs> only, only good men. Yeah. Like just the idea that you would ask where are all the good men is ridiculous because you don't need all of the good men. You just need one, really. You need one good person. Uh, I, I also don't believe in the one. I don't think that there's just one. I think there are many people that you can be in relationship with. I also think that at one, at one point you just sort of need to like choose somebody. You know, like, I also don't really believe that you should be dating multiple people at any one time, but um, different episodes, different <laughs> conversations. We've got your whole manifesto now. <laughs> I've got a, this, is, this is but a fraction of my manifesto. Yeah. Uh, all the men are, they're all out there. They're just life there. You're interacting with them. They're probably people that uh, you don't find attractive enough. There are probably people in your life right now that are good. They're a good person. And because they are good, they're not attractive to you. 
Okay, so what do you do about that? What do you do when you are attracted to danger, when you're attracted to the to the the bad boy, the shitty guy, the the unavailable one, the flaky one, the fake one? What if that what do you do when that's what you're attracted to? Go and heal all of therapy. the parts inside of you. Yeah, go to therapy. Go to heal, heal all the important the all of the 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 hurt parts inside of you that pretty much uh you know, do heal the parts inside of you that are hurt in the same way as all those behaviors, right? So oftentimes I think we're attracted to stuff that we have inside of us. So if you're attracted to flaky, there's probably a part of you that's kind of flaky. Mm. If you're attracted to emotionally unavailable, there's probably a part of you that's emotionally unavailable. And in my experience, the more I do this work, the more I'm attracted to people who are available. To me, somebody closing off is not hot. I'm not like, yeah, that gets my dick hard at all. You know what gets my dick hard? Oh my God. So many things. <laughs> <laughs> like shifting gears. <laughs> sharing. You know, I was told that I might have ADD, by the way. So, um, which might you might have clued in on in this episode tiny a little bit uh opening up being vulnerable telling me that you love me uh telling me the things that you love about me uh showing up for me and being present like that stuff turns me on it turns me on like uh so my lady and i are talking about like what the future looks like together that turns me on yeah. What we're like thinking about, uh, you know, like our ideal bathroom, right? <laughs> that turns me on which, because, because it's not about the bathroom. It's about like commitment and goals and like shared values. So presence and openness is now more attractive to me. And to somebody who's closed off, that is actually really threatening and really scary. I mean, we're all, it's this full circle back to, back to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So that's what I would say to those people is to like, go and heal those parts. Go and, go, go and explore those parts of you. Yep. What you find attractive in somebody else, go and explore that in you. Yep. And that looks like most likely going to therapy. <laughs> and people hate this, hate this about me. Hate that's this. your advice. <laughs> yeah, hate it. Like yeah. some guy was like, dude, stop saying that. And it's like, well, you know, I actually think that we can probably benefit from a lot of that. I wish yeah. I had like easier answers. Well, some of them are very easy, right? Which is just like talk about it. I mean, I actually really appreciate that your answers are so simple because I think it actually is that simple. And we can talk about all of these things in depth and analyze it and throw frameworks on it. But honestly, maybe it's that dirt simple that you have to talk about it. You make sure that you have support and you communicate what you need and what's going on in you, whatever that is. Even when it's like, I don't know. Even... Thank you. Even when you don't know, just say, say hey, I don't know what's going on right now, but I feel kind of icky and I want to talk about it. Yeah. I don't know what I'm feeling. And I don't have any um, expectations as to how you need to show up for me right now. Just yeah. can we talk about this kind of stuff? Yeah. Just a last little bit of curiosity. Uh, now that you're doing this emotionally uh, availability um, workshop, what do you think is the reason that people are emotionally unavailable? What's the, what's the main thing? 
fear of fear. Yeah. All, all fears. Yeah. Fear of not being enough. Fear mm. of inadequacy, fear of rejection, uh, fear of uh, opening up a can of worms, <laughs> fear of not knowing how to, how to do it. Like actually like not having the tools. Um, trauma. Trauma, the body gets really, 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 really invested in not looking at trauma because of how big and complex it is. Mm. Uh, some, you know, closing off is a defense mechanism, absolutely. And to a certain degree, in some scenarios, it's absolutely the right move to protect yourself, your very fragile heart. Um, so that, I think, and also fear of getting hurt. Yeah. Fear of opening up to someone and having them just stomp on your heart which yeah. can be a real fear if that has happened to you before. The whole first session is on how to overcome those fears, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I highly recommend Sean's courses. They're amazing. Yeah, they're no, really, I, I quote you a lot. Like your, your emotional or your um, communication workshop was so powerful. Yeah, that one was fun. Yeah, because it's simple, but I, not a lot of people can make it that simple. It helps that it really does help. Some people, you know, they, they say, how? How? Yeah. How show me the script, and actually having the script does help. Yeah. It's not enough though. That's like uh, walking into a garage and having access to all the tools, but not knowing how to do how, how to use any of them. Like you have to use the tool to fix the thing, right? So having the tools helps, but also practice. Like use use the tools. Yeah. What's your advice? And already what you're going to say, but I just want to make it extra clear. Why don't What's you say your it? My question is, what's your advice to, this is my male clients, most of them come to me saying, I just don't feel anything. I don't feel a lot. My woman wants me to feel more and I want to be there for her and I just can't do it. And please help me feel. Yeah. Wait, what, what do you think I'm going to say? To just communicate that you're not, this, this is what you're feeling and maybe it's just nothing. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's not where I was heading. Okay. That's a, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. You're giving yeah. me a toughie. Okay. <laughs> so guys can't, they say, I don't feel my partner wants me to feel, wants me to be more in touch with my. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. You know, that's a really hard one for me, actually. I, I had a hard time with that as well. Yeah. Uh, one of the most awkward <laughs> things is when my therapist goes like, you know, she would see, so I would feel something. And then she said, how, where do you feel that in the body? Oh, yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah, exactly. That face. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? How do I feel? Where do I feel that in the body? I think it is really about listening and stillness and sitting still and not distracting and not going for the, the easy way out, um, giving space to your emotions, being curious, like really kind of just like giving a fuck actually about what's mm. going on inside. I think that that's my, that, I think that's what, that's what I suggest is like, start giving a fuck about what's going on inside you. Not your physical, you're, you're like the out, the ex, your exterior body, right? So like less ab work, <laughs> chest, chest and tries back and buys don't <laughs> skip leg day so there's that okay that's important that's part of the piece but like give a shit about what's going on inside 
And what I really like about the exploration of emotions is that oftentimes unpleasant emotions, right? Are attached to a need. There's an unmet mm. need there. And I would actually push back on dudes that say, I don't feel anything because that's not true. Like when they're fucking angry, that's something that they can attach to. The more you get curious, the more you fine tune your like, uh, I don't know, internal emotional microscope where you can like look at what's going on. Horny. Completely different. than Arousal. (laughs) Completely different. Excited. You know, like that's, that's speaking to some, uh, a change in your mind and body state. Yeah. Right. So when you're horny, what do you feel other than your hard cock? Right. What do you feel? Like, what does it feel like in your body to be horny? What does it feel like in your body to be angry? When I'm angry, like I feel it in my chest, I feel it in my face, I'm flush, I'm just like full of energy. What I think the issue here is less of the feeling and more about the how to talk about what I'm feeling. And the more you do anything, the better you get at it. The more you start to identify, oh wait, okay, that, that I feel different. There's something going on in my body. Okay, yeah. let's try to like put words to it. Then once you have words to it, then you can talk about it. And then it becomes easier to recognize it the next time it comes up. Or you could be like, ah, it feels actually a little different than last time. Last time I was fucking pissed. This time I'm just (laughs) angry. And the next time you might even get to like, oh, you know what? I'm on my way to being angry, which means I'm not angry yet. I'm just like really annoyed. So now you've built sensitivities towards different levels of, you know, from mildly annoyed to fucking pissed. It's a spectrum. The more you can like tune into that, the better you'll get at feeling your feelings. There we go. Mm, I love it, Sean. I, I love answered. It. I finally answered a question. <laughs> there you get a sticker. <laughs> I want to scratch and sniff. Okay, okay. We're almost at our hour already. I think you and We're I. We're way past our hour. We're way past our hour. We're an hour oh. and twenty. Oh, oopsie. Um. <laughs> I, yes, I thank you so much for all your beautiful advice and your beautiful words and, and the inner Sean. My inner Sean has, has more things to say to me now. <laughs> you're welcome. I like to speak in bumper stickers. Yeah, you're very good at speaking in bumper stickers. It's very, it's very helpful. Um, just to close it off, when, if people want to work with you or want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Uh, go to thelovedrive.com. That is where it all lives, really. The coaching, the workshops, the podcast uh, on Instagram at the Love Drive, TikTok, the Love Drive, Facebook, the Love Drive, whatever, wherever platform you want to like connect with me. But it all kind of happens um, on the website. And I work with people mainly through the workshops right now, mainly in group. Uh, And I have four I have the Intro to Great Sex, the Intro to Modern Dating, Healthy Communication Workshop, and All About Emotional Availability. My plan is to launch a workshop every month moving forward. So plenty of opportunities for us to connect. And if you have a question, Sean at thelovedrive.com, S-H-A-U-N at thelovedrive.com. Yeah. And if they ever want to ask you for free love advice, it's every week, right? It's like whenever I want on Instagram, not in my DMs. Do not DM me. 
Okay. Good. Your question. Boundaries. Boundaries. <laughs> if you if you email me your question, I will I will funnel you to the appropriate channels. So I invite you to contact me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sean, for your time and for all your input and all your wisdom. I very, very much appreciate it. It was an honor. It was an honor too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Next to that, I am soon relaunching my course, Healing the Masculine for Women. And I just opened applications for the initiation. And the initiation is a very exciting project I'm doing together with Amanda Bickham. And it is a deep, deep VIP container for a select group of men that want to go deeper, that want to be fully empowered. So if you are interested in any of those, please do shoot me a PM. And of course, please let me know what you thought of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.